Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again, again. A very lucky and special day because we have with us again, as we do every Wednesday at this time, Judge Andrew Napolitano. And nobody says what Judge Andrew Napolitano says with the judicial authority. This guy's been around. You know, he's on the Supreme Court in New Jersey. He's been a. He's not a rookie. He's not one of these guys that just says things and. The most important thing is he lives by what he speaks. He's not one of these hypocrites out there like the rest of the clowns out there playing whatever. And Judge, you have an article uh, that's coming out tomorrow about what's going on with this Roe versus Wade. And one of the, the, the points that you make in it, you say last week when the pilfered draft of a Supreme Court opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito was leaked to the media, it saddened me deeply. My sadness was brought about by the realization that someone is trying to sabotage the highest court in the land. Justice Robert Jackson, who sat in the 1940s and 1950s, famously said that the Supreme Court is infallible only because it is final. It is not final because it is infallible. You know, so, in our system, somebody has to have the final word on what the Constitution and the laws mean. I think Madison intended that that final word would be the state highest courts, that the states would be a check on the federal government. But from an, a, a couple of opinions written by the same person, Jefferson's cousin and bitter nemesis, John Marshall, the Supreme Court has the final word on what the Constitution and federal laws mean, and the Supreme Court's uh, rulings are binding on state courts. So we are stuck with a system in which the federal government is the judge of its own powers. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. When justices are truly independent, when they are no longer allied to the political parties and ideologies that got them to the bench, then they have the final word and that's the end of it. What happened here is someone is trying to influence the outcome of that final word. Somebody, in my opinion, on the inside, there's only 50 people who had their hands in that draft. Sam Alito, my Princeton classmate, forgive me for calling him Sam, uh, wrote the opinion in January. It's dated February. It's a draft circulated to the nine justices and to 41 other people who work for them. If, if the leaker was from the outside and hacked the court, it's a federal crime, even though the feds do more hacking than anybody else. Another story for another time. If the leaker was somebody on the inside, I think it was probably someone on the left <clears throat> trying to shore up the five votes against Roe versus Wade or someone, uh, excuse me, trying to shake loose somebody in the majority or someone on the right trying to shore up the majority. Either way, was a person not on the court trying to influence the outcome. And that's outrageous. That damages the reputation of the court and renders it just another political body. You know, you write on here, the leaker is trying to affect the outcome of the case. If from the left, the leaker no doubt wants to shake loose the most tentative justice in the tentative majority. If from the right, the leader wants to fortify the most tentative justice 
in the tentative majority. Either way, the leaker's word is repellent. And so you also go on to write, what did Justice Alito write? He wrote that Roe v. Wade, the 1973 case that bars the states from prohibiting abortion during the first and second trimester of fetal development, was wrong when decided and is wrong today because there is no constitutional text, history, or tradition of the federal courts protecting or ruling on abortions. So I think what you're, you're also saying here is that it's really up to the states. Is that correct? Yes. yes, that's exactly what Sam Alito was saying. So look, all these people that are demonstrating in front of his house, they don't understand in the District of Columbia, where the court sits, abortion is legal up to the moment of birth. In Maryland, the court abortion is legal up to the moment of birth. In New Jersey, in Illinois, in California, it's up to the state legislatures. I think these people think that Sam Alito, with the stroke of a pen, is invalidating all abortions. He's basically saying it's not a federal issue. Yeah. If you want to live where abortions are legal, go to New York. If you want to live where they're not legal, go to Oklahoma or Mississippi or Louisiana. As Uncle Ronnie used to say, you can vote with your feet. If you don't like the laws in one state, go to another. So from a state's rights perspective, this case is terrific, or this opinion is terrific. I can't call it a case because it's a draft. We don't know if the final opinion is going to be the same as the draft, and we won't know until the end of June. You see, what you just said here, I don't hear anywhere else. Abortion, legal or not, it's not a constitutional issue. That's exactly what he said. So, when But Mitch nobody's Ma saying that. When Mitch McConnell says, well, Congress will have the final say once the court rules, he didn't read the opinion. Because if that opinion becomes the law of the land, Congress has no say, federal judges have no say, it's up to each individual state. Yeah. And that's the way, to me, that's the way it should be. But a guy... One of your favorite presidents, Lincoln, kind of changed that, didn't yeah. he? <laughs> he slaughtered 750,000 people. Yeah. He was the I, first head of state in the history of the world to unleash his armies on civilians. He was the first head of state in the history of the world to unleash his armies on his own civilians. Reprehensible. And the yep. public schools teach that he's a saint. I remember a public school teacher saying to me, if Lincoln had been Catholic, he would have been canonized. Ay, ay, ay. Slaughtered three quarters of a million people. Yeah. And, and again, it was about federalizing the country, right? Correct. Correct. Which he succeeded in doing. Which he succeeded in doing. And, you and know, I you would... talked about Lincoln if he was Catholic. How about Joe Biden if he was Catholic? Right. Good point. Good question. What the now, heck is Joe Biden? What? Did you, did you see the statement by Senator Scott, Republican of Florida? Not one of my favorite people, but he basically said publicly yesterday, everybody on Capitol Hill knows Joe Biden is out of it. Everybody knows that he's mentally incompetent. Everybody knows that when he goes to shake hands with somebody, he sometimes shakes before the hand touches the other person's hand. It's about time we recognize this and did something about it. He's actually thinking aloud the unthinkable. Yeah, but let's go back to him being a Catholic. Would Jesus Christ be 
the kind of God that would love for those who believe in him to, to go to the biggest military industrial contractor uh. in America and send and brag about sending more weapons of death. I think you have a piece in this week's Trends Journal on that. I think there's even a piece of old Joe there at Raytheon. They yeah. can send all the billions they want there. All they're doing is extending the war. And half of what they send, we know this from Scott Ritter and Phil Giraldi, who still have deep connections in the intelligence community. Half of what they send, the Russians are not stupid, they know where it is, is destroyed by the Russians before the Ukrainians get to use it. And the Ukrainians don't have the parts to repair that which is damaged. So much of this 40 billion old Joe is as if you shoveled it into a fireplace with a roaring fire. And it's actually worse than that. If you put it into a fireplace, it's not going to kill anybody. It's just going to be burned. The way you are using up tax dollars or money barred in the taxpayers' names is to cause innocents to be killed and then the money to be wasted. But again, you're, you're a devout Catholic. I mean, is this what, what, what kind of Catholic would say and brag about sending more weapons of death, lethal weapons, to kill people? Joe, Joe must be a cafeteria Catholic where he picks and chooses what he wants about Catholicism and leaves on the table uh, what he doesn't want. Look, the church is divided uh, on a lot of issues, but it's, but, not, but divi God, it's not, mean, divided. it's not divided on killing innocent people. No, no, there's no division on that at all. Correct. So, and so now be. you only had what, 40 or 50 in, 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 in Congress that voted against sending $40 billion? The rest of them voted to send that money. So how many of those people profess to be Catholics? That's a very good question. And why do they do it? Because if you turn on the television, you see the one-sided version, and that's ginning up the base. Big media, big military industrial complex influencing the Congress. Again, you know, we're looking at this thing. When you pick up the papers, day, like you said, day after day, you know, they'll show you know, a mother with a, a kid, you know, and the, the house blown up. They didn't show this day after day when America attacked Iraq. They didn't show this day after day when America destroyed Afghanistan. They didn't show it day after day when the Nobel Peace of Crap Prize winner Obama and, and sent a, you know, Gaddafi has to go and destroyed Libya or the 600,000 dead in, in, in Syria and destroying Raqqa into nothing. They didn't show that day after day, day after day, night after night. Right. Right. This is total propaganda. Yes, and it again, is. Going back to this, where are all these people that profess to be religious? This is against, I would believe, any God that they would believe in. Correct. And, and do you know who is feeding all this to the media is the CIA. The CIA is feeding them everything from, from videos to false narratives, and they're regurgitating it to the public. It influences the public and it gets people in the Congress, some of them well-meaning, well-intentioned people to go crazy in favor of give Zelensky whatever he wants. All they're doing is delaying the inevitable. Yep. Yep. 
delaying the inevitable. You know, that, that is the word here, because nobody wants to talk about that, that Russia's going to win at some point, and they just had their victory parade this past Monday to celebrate the end of World War II, in which some 25 million Russians were killed mm. by the Nazis, by, by uh, Hitler. And who were the first people to defeat the Germans? The Russians, after 25 million of them were killed. And so to think that Ukraine, with 40 million people, fighting the Russians with 140 million people and much more advanced technology are going to win, it's, it's sick. And by extending this war and keeping it going, they're making a very bad situation much worse. So, Judge, what do you think is going to happen with this as it relates to the United States and NATO um, going face-to-face -face with Russia? Well, if Donald Trump were in the White House, we would be telling NATO to take a hike. You're a post-World War II relic. We don't need you anymore. We're not going to give you a nickel. You guys can defend your own borders. But Donald Trump is not in the White House. Uh, the State Department is back to its globalist uh, ideology. I almost said theology because it almost is a religion with them. Um, they are going to continue to try and wear down at Vladimir Putin. They want this war extended because they want Putin to be undermined by somebody in his inner circle. Yeah. Mark my words, the goal <laughs> of the American government is to degrade Vladimir Putin, and they will use the lives of innocent Ukrainians, Ukrainians in order to achieve that goal. Man, I don't know if Joe way. knows this, yeah. but certainly the Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, and the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, and the National Security Advisor, uh, Mrs. Clinton's former confidant, Jake Sullivan, they know it because they're orchestrating it. Yeah, and they're not going to do anything. They're going to, they're going to, it's not going to affect it. The people who, the Russians are going to be standing by their president, just like the stupid people st stood behind George W. Bush when he launched the uh, Iraq war, the Afghan war. Oh, oh, that was, that was the success, you know. The Russians have been at this for seven weeks, eight weeks, but they're losing. But America had a great success in, in Afghanistan. They were only there for 20 years. And it was a oh, wonderful victory. And going back to Trump, as much as I can't stand him because of his narcissistic ways and his BS, I totally agree with you that if he was president, this would have never happened, number one, I don't think, and number two about NATO. But here's the number three about NATO. You're listening to, if you listen to Mario Draghi, the prime minister of Italy, the former guy that was with the Bank of Italy, with the World Bank, ran the Goldman Sachs Western Division of uh, doing deals and European Central Bank head that's now playing the head of the prime minister of Italy. He wants to unify bigger with NATO. And Macron came out this week as well in France that he wants to unify Europe more as well. Well, the, the Tony Blinken ideology is shared, 
I don't know if Boris Johnson is in this group or not. He's got his own issues. But it's pretty much shared by the leaders of Western Europe. Uh, and, and this ideology is ultimately one world government. I don't think they believe it's going to happen in their lifetimes, but they're willing to take baby steps in that direction. There are a few things more dangerous to personal liberty than the concept of one world uh, government. And there are a few things actually more dangerous to the security of Europe than threatening Vladimir Putin. Trade with him. Make the Russians richer. Where, where, where goods cross borders, armies don't. When the Russian people realize their lives will be better in a peaceful environment. Well, you know, what, what you're saying is that, you know, um, this one world government, you know, when they, I'll never forget when they, when, when um, they all did away with their own currencies and went to the euro. Yes. And do you know the reason that they gave? Because I knew, I knew uh, a number of Europeans, you know, that were like a little younger than my parents uh, and, um, they said that they were doing it because if there was one currency, then there wouldn't be war. Ugh. That was the excuse that they gave. Because to go back, I mean, the 20th century isn't ancient history. You know, it's, you know, you have World War I, what, ends in 1918, 1939. You know, a couple of years later, they're at it again, you know, destroying Europe. So they, the, the line that they fed the people was that with one currency, there would be unity and there wouldn't be war. So when you talk about baby steps, these aren't baby steps. These are big steps. Because when they went to the euro, the whole standard of living in Europe declined. Yes. Inflation skyrocketed for the poorer countries. The Germanys got richer and everybody else went down. So I don't think this is a baby step. I think the one world government now is going to be really a push and it's going to get stronger and stronger as Draghi's talking about it, Macron's talking about it, and the hate Russian narrative is going to keep building. The government will continue to beat the drum on the hate Russia narrative, mainly uh, hate Putin. Because when the government can focus the American animus on an enemy, then the, then the people are generally more pliant. You know, the enemy was uh, Hitler. The enemy was the Soviet Union. The enemy was uh, Iran. The enemy was Iraq. The enemy was COVID. Now the enemy is, uh, is Putin. The government loves that. Yep. Now, I don't know if old Joe understands what he's talking about, but certainly the people around him do. Oh, yeah. Now, this is uh, my, my greatest fear is that World War Three has begun. And again, you know, they, it didn't World War One didn't happen when, you know, they assassinated the Archduke of Ferdinand in Sarajevo. You know, that's the story they give you. I think it was building up to, a, you know, the lunacy that was going on before that. And I really believe that with the hatred going on, and it is a very important as well, the hatred going on and there's no talk about peace. No. Now, the Pope, believe it or not, for all of his uh, issues, did make a statement, not quite as strong as Salenti or, or, or me or the, those, of, uh, those who agree with us, but the Pope did 
make a statement condemning war. He didn't condemn either side. He just condemned war. And he spoke about this war in general. I don't, I don't say that to defend the Pope. I just say it to clarify the record. Yeah, but where where are the peace movements? Where are they? There, where, where there are, are no peace movements. No. At this point in the Vietnam War, the and, and I was a college student then, the peace movements were everywhere and were yep. in your face. And you know why? Because they were drafting us. Correct. Correct. Once the draft, once they did away with the draft, there was there were minor movements against the Iraq War and the Afghan War because people aren't being drafted. Right. But they're robbing us of our money and our freedom. And um, and you're a judge of freedom and a man of peace, and you really know your judicial what should be, what shouldn't be. You're a defender of the judicial rights. So thank you so much for being on, Judge. And we really have to get a movement going for peace because if there's not peace on earth, it'll be hell on earth. Yes. Agreed, Gerald. Thanks for having me on. All the and, best. And thank you.